0: Help people comprehend that you was created with a purpose and a plan. That while you was in your mother's womb, God formed you. God had a plan for you. That the, your nationality, um, your family, the hospital you was born in—that all that was orchestrated by God, uh, so that you can testify one day of God's sovereignty and God's power and God's glory. And so. Um, this, I'm going to be talking about evangelism, but, you know, long and short, i be talking about evangelism. And evangelism is a word that scares many people. Um, people outside the church are a little bit intimidated and concerned about that word evangelism. And people in the church sometimes are a little bit concerned and scared <laughs> about the word. And I want to break it down. I think when you simplify something, it makes it easier to live out. Evangelism in the Greek, I mean, Evangelism in the Greek simply means sharing good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. That's what sharing the good news. Now if you've been saved, saved from what? If you've been saved from eternal separation, if your heart has been warmed, if the void has been filled, if God made the crooked pastor, Straight. If God removed the blindfolds, if God you know, brought you out of addiction, if God brought you out of depression, if God brought you out of whatever the good news you have got to share, whatever God has done in your life, that's all the evangelism is sharing the good news. Right. You don't got to be a scholar. You definitely don't got to be perfect. You don't got to understand the whole sixty six books of the Bible. You don't. Gotta, all you got to do is understand what Jesus Christ has done in your life and be able to share that with someone else. I often, I often said one of my favorite courses, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread to eat. That, that's all. Yeah. And so I don't, people ask me all the time. I was on, I was in Israel, just we were blessed with Israel. And people said, uh, can you tell us about you know this thing, wherever we were at? I said, no. You don't know? I said, no. But you're a pastor. I don't know everything. You know? And so sometimes you, you don't gotta know everything, just share what you do now. And what I do know is that I was blind, yeah. but now I see, yeah. I was wrong, but now I'm not. not, not, that not that so, so I'm gonna to talk to you about the pastor. I want you to know that you was, and this is funny for because being a recovery house of worship, I've been on many missions. Yeah, be too yeah. Yeah. from a, you know, a sergeant or a captain who doesn't care nothing about me, who wants to be dead, I know it's to chase something that's not there, I know to give, I know to give 150%, 200% something that's killing me, and go hard, and go hard, and go hard. Yes, yes, yes. And so today, it was created for a mission, that, that Jesus says in your hand, God, he said, you know, it, it's very clear, that I have a mission, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, there's a mission for you, Amen? And so um, before I get too excited, let's, let's, read the, let's read the Word. Amen. So I let's so go stand in this church. We stand because we're reading the Word of God. It's not just any ordinary book. It, this is the Word. This is the only Word of God. Amen. But when people tell you that marriage don't come with instruction, and children don't come with instruction, and life don't come, you tell them that's because you're not reading the Bible. Amen. Because Bible stands for basic. Instructions before leaving Earth, Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to read Luke five, Amen. Look, this is out of the Message Bible, Amen. Um, I'm going to read it to you, Amen. You just, I'll read it to you. You guys are with me though. So you follow along, Amen. Luke chapter five verse seventeen says this: One day, as he was teaching, he is Jesus. Pharisees and religious teachers were sitting around. They had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea. Even as far away as Jerusalem to be there, the healing power of God was on him. Some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher. They were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way, and because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, removed some tiles, and let him down in the middle of everyone, right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, Friend, I forgive your sins. That set of religion scholars and Pharisees buzzing. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemous talk. God and only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking and said, Why don't this gossipy whispering? Which is simpler to say, I forgive your sins, or to say, get up and start walking. Well, just so it's clear that I'm the Son of Man and authorized to do either or both. Either or both. He now spoke directly to the prophet, get up, take up your bedroll, and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he did it, got up, took his blanket, and left for home, giving glory to God all the way. Amen. We're going to stop right there. May God bless the greeting. We have his words. We understand in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have, you have a scenario here. We're talking about evangelism, and in Luke chapter 5, there's a great, simple example. Now, I've taught this in an evangelistic courses to a couple of you guys, now I want to teach it to the church, alright? Now, we're talking about evangelism, and it's important that you understand that evangelism is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else. You got that, alright? And you don't got to be perfect. You understand that right where you are, if you are born him, if you've been born again, if you're if watching his spirit filled, you can start to imagine. It. Amen? Okay. So, the first thing I want you to know, is that in your, in your handouts? For those who have been around, you got a handout in the bulletin, and they were concerned for their friend. They became concerned for their friend. Now check it. out, there. their friend was hurting, and they became, they became concerned, right? In your handout, it doesn't say this, but the principle there is compassion. Mm-hmm. All right? Compassion. Right. They became concerned for their friend, they had compassion. Now here's a situation that's robbing many people of a significant and purposeful life, so many people are caught up with this self-obsession, self-centered perspective. It's all about me, what I want, what I need, what you know, what am I going to get, what am I... And what happens is that we need to as a Christian that when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and you received Him beneath Him as Lord and Savior, that your life is no longer yours. That now, you're spirit-filled, you, you know, you're under new management. Hello, somebody. Uh, you got to find the old person that was ready to show him. And now you got to allow Jesus to guide you and lead you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Alright? And so now, they became concerned for their friends. Now, this is compassion compassionate, very important. I'll give you a quick definition. So, so interested or affected. That's how the, Interested to be concerned means to be interested or, or affected. When you see somebody hurting, when you see somebody holding, when you see somebody, you know, being ravaged by depression, when you see somebody drunk and they urinated on themselves, when you see somebody nodding out, you know, this is you know, we see people nodding out. You know, I've always thought it was amazing how these heroin had they could tip over and not fall. <laughs> For another was stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a desire to alleviate the suffering. We need to be more compassionate. We need to know, listen, if you're a Christian, now I know everybody's not a Christian, and even people who proclaim to be Christians, sometimes they're not Christian. Uh-huh. Just because you're Christ or something doesn't mean you're that. Uh-huh. Right? So, so if, you're, if you're a bona fide Christian, if you really know Jesus Christ and you're relationship for Him, then what happens is that His love begins to fill you, and you begin to get a burden, and you begin to Care about what he cares about, you begin to not like the things that he doesn't like, he begins to transform you from the inside out, and you start to care, you start to see people differently, he gives you these spiritual glasses, and now, you know, the, the, the what you call the prescription, has compassion in it, and you don't look at people the same, you know, so, so, you understand, not only God can give you this, I'm not talking about being religious, and go do good works, I'm not saying that, I'm saying that, you need to ask God. I was a racist guy. I was a hateful guy. You know, you guys know my testimony. I I, I was I hated everybody. I'm Puerto Rican, I hated Puerto Ricans. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I have to tell you, many years ago before I was married, there was no Puerto Rican pray. Woo woo woo! None of that stuff. I know don't my I, 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 I hated everybody. And when you have self-holding and when you're lost and when you're hurting and you're gonna act like you're having fun and you know you're not having fun and your mother's heart is broken. And you embarrass a family and you're lost, and it's hard to like other people. And, and so, very important is that, that only God can give you that. God gave you your compassion. God can give you your compassion. God can give you a purpose. God can give, allow you to care for other people. Amen? Amen. You gotta ask God. Amen? So, so one of the things about compassion is that it's love in action. It, it, love, it. love is a verb. It, you got to. It's not a, a relationship thing of mine. But love is a verb. You know, love is not love till you give it away. That's right. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love. Don't tell me God is good all the time. show me God is good. Don't tell me Jesus can heal if you've been all messed up and twisted and you're cuckoo for cocoa puffs yourself. You know. Come on. So we need we need to learn how to how allow God to do a work in us, right? And. That's in their own lives, right? And so we need to have love and action. And that's why listen in this church we've coveted Pastor Pedro and the elders and they've coveted, listen, they feed hundreds of listen, thousands of people get fed every month right here. That's so important because love cultivates the
1: heart. Love, because listen, there's people
0: that that that, that I you know we can't be at every hospital, we can't be at every anniversary, we can't be at every birthday party. Can't be, but, but man, we pray for them. I, I stay at home and I spend time praying. With them. That's an act of compassion. To pray for someone. Right? Listening. Too many Christians, they talk too much. You got to listen more. I learned a long time ago, before I was a Christian, that God gave me two ears and one mouth so I could listen more and talk less. Right? You gotta, my friend Jimmy Jack, he travels the world speaking. He got baptized right here. Every time he's done some sharing out a meeting, he says this. Somebody taught him that listening is an act of love. So thank you for, for loving me. That's how he closes his meetings. And, and we need to be Christians. That the act of compassion is listening to other people's story. They just need somebody to talk to. They need to unload. They, they, they got a burden. They've been walking on. Nobody. They just want to tell you what they've been through. They just want to tell you that they're hurting. They just want to so tell you to. He need to learn how to listen. Listening is a compassionate thing to do. Amen? Amen. And so, so we need to be able to have love and action. Alright, I, I, I got we go. So here's the next thing. Two. The second thing. Alright? They believe Jesus would save their friend. Somebody say, "Believed."
2: Believe. Believe.
0: They believe Jesus will save their friend. Now, anybody know what faith is in the Bible? Well, how the Bible, what the Bible says faith is? Anybody know what the Hebrews 11? Right, confidence, assurance, confidence, assurance, right? Hebrews 11, one very powerful, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, right? Confidence of what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see, and we need to be able to have faith, right? We need to have faith that God can save our friends, that God can heal our family. We need to know that we know that we know that if He did it for me, He can do it for you. If He turn a cursing Christian, a uh, cursing guy who was persecuting Christians, and Saul and turned him into Paul, He can do it for them. Are, are you with me?
2: Yes.
0: If He can change a tax collector. He can put it together, that he can change you, that God is a murder. I was talking to a friend of mine who's, who has been sick for years and dealing with different things, and he said, listen, I'm not dying for nothing, I'm living with some stuff, yeah. and, and then the enemy attacks his body, attacks his body, and he said, listen, I have trust, God's not done with me, yeah. he knows that he knows that God is not done with him, right. and he has faith, he said, listen, I know what the doctors are saying, I know what the, I see the blood report, I see Amen. Amen. I remember, you know, just to, to do stuff, you know, people say, oh, this guy's never going to get saved. No, we pray. The first thing you do when you're trying to reach somebody is when God gives you a brother, you get to pray for them. You know, you pray for them. I, I, before Jimmy J. I got saved, Before a lot of you got saved, I still believe God in some of my friends are many. I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray for them. I pray. I pray. I get the Holy Spirit after the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm burning for them. It's different when you just care for somebody that you, and God gives you a burden. Right, right. And so we gotta pray, we gotta pray, and we gotta trust and believe. You gotta pray and believe. James says the guy who doubts that guy go can't get nothing. You gotta know, you gotta pray and know that God is able to do far greater than what you ask him for. Amen? Right, so so they, they pray, right? They, I mean they, they believe that Jesus will save their friend. So that's a faith, right? And now it's very important to understand this. This God. Was uh powerful, he was messed up. You know, he couldn't even help himself. Alright? And they didn't just now, this is the point. It's not enough just to believe. Right? Check out what they did. The third point, they didn't just pray for their friend, they brought him to Jesus. Somebody say brought him to Jesus. Jesus. Alright, they brought him to Jesus. Now, here's the important I'm saying. What's the principle there? What's the principle? The principle is Right. A cup of coffee. You understand? And so they, they, they did action. You know, and now here's the thing. Now, we can't all physically carry someone, right? can't physically carry someone, but you can spiritually bring them to Jesus. You can spiritually bring them. And, and, and here's a big mistake about Iran, right? And this is the thing that we would like uh, the leaders and the, and the Christians to know. Too many times, here's what happens. And this is not a bad thing. It's just not. We don't want it to be like this forever. Right? when you hear something like this, you go talk to your aunt. You pray for her. You, you know, she responds. They come to church. They come to. They everybody brings their family and friends the church so the pastor can preach, share the gospel, and then lead them to the Lord. That's wonderful when that happens. But we want people who are at the laundromat, on the job, in the projects, where you are, to bring them to Jesus right there. Yeah. That right there, that truly, that You understand that? Listen, you're worse than you think, and your you're worse than you're willing to admit and you're more loved than you can ever imagine. And that Jesus died on a cross for you, and He wants to have a relationship with you. I don't care what you've been taught. I don't care what you are Jesus loves you. Listen, He's not just loved. You know what I you're, you're just so loved. For God so loved the world. Right. You're so loved. And that's why you're not dead. And that's why you're not in jail. And that's why you still have a, you know, a little bit of your brain cells left. And that's why you're able to come. Kind of, because God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He, man, it's incredible He has you. And we need people to go share that, and they brought him to Jesus. Now, a lot of times when I preach a sermon, people say, I'm going to bring my friends to church. Yeah, bring him to church, that's the best you can do. But man, it's so much better than bring to Jesus. Right. Right. You know, I, I remember, I had son sermon about his friend Dominic, right? And People think I got that to the Lord, I did that to the Lord, you know what I mean? Uh, he was a Buddhist when I, you know, when I was done with him. You know <laughs> On the 12 steps to zen, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I do with you, Get smart, get spiritual, and go to hell. But, but he had a friend in junior high school who's insignificant in our life. We don't know him, we don't know where he's at. But his friend, I'm, a! I'm a!. You know, back in the day, come on, we're going to church! And took him to church. I didn't get saved there. Yeah. I don't know why Adam went, but he went. He went but Adam, when he was desperate and he was on his lap and at the end of the road, he remembered the address of the church that the guy took him to. And went to that very church and got saved and found a mentor that taught him to have the Bible that these are God. You should, so, you know, I, I'll give you another example. That, that's that's personal. I remember I was, I was in a, a program. I was bringing, like, you know, a, a Bible study to, to a program and, and uh, a couple projects. Right? And, and, you know, I was bringing, you just, you got to bring Jesus in. So I, so I was there, I had a Muslim guy, right? And the Muslim guy would never leave me alone. No matter what I'm teaching. He raised a couple questions. Don't you Christians believe in three gods? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. that three? I'm like, oh, I already told you we don't believe in three gods. You, don't, you can't talk no more. You're out of here. Every week, I was, every week. I said in the beginning, I said, listen, no, we believe in one god, three persons, you know, the training, the egg, you know, all this stuff. I went to the whole training with him. He said, no, it sounds like you believe in three. I said, okay, the gospel is foolishness. But for months, every week, so we would fight. So finally, he said, don't you curse me. I said, and I told you this, I said, you have every right to go to Hades if that's where you want to go. You're going to Hades well informed, because I'm here sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't gotta be like this, and you can be, and I, and I said, and that's it, you cannot talk ever again, you're done, and he said, no, why? So finally, finally, I got upset, right? I said, you know, let me tell you something. You think, you think the prophet, you know, Muhammad is so wonderful and everything. How many people did he heal? Did you ever give a blind man sight, the greatest prophet who ever lived? Right? No. Did Jesus give a blind man sight? Yes. One for Jesus, zero for the prophet Muhammad. <laughs> okay, Let's keep I said, I said, does the prophet Muhammad ever raise anyone from the dead? No. I asked him, did Jesus ever raise him? Yeah. He killed me. Two for Jesus, zero for the prophet Muhammad. And I went up and running and telling him how the prophet Muhammad loves me. And then, so finally he got, he got funded. Great, I sound very good for that you've been bothering me for months. <laughs> <laughs> so now, I, like, yeah. so, now I, I kept praying for him though. I was oh you don't know, need to find this is real life. Oh I'm I, I don't I wanna I want their hands on him, not holding hands, you know what I mean? It's, good, it's good. interrupting my Bible thing. So, so right, anyway, long story short, a yearly, a yearly, I get a phone call from someone I said, hey. My name is such-and-such. Such. You know me as Mustafa. <laughs> um, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was baptized that You don't know. You're not responsible for the result. You're responsible for the effort. So they brought him to Jesus. We got it. By addiction, right. that doesn't mean that again, drug addicts to be a member of the church. Drug addicts, alcoholics, families, friends—you know, this church is it was—a Bible-teaching church. Right. Right. Okay, so now the, we named the Recovery House of Worship, and the church back then there was no set of recovery. There was no—they didn't want nothing to do with recovery. So you can live in freedom for the week. That like we we feed people so they can you know we we, we God has developed this. God has gone us. this, and God went okay. It was it got dark sometimes. It got real dark, and so when you it, listen, here's the thing, the point that you cannot let nothing discourage you. The principle here is determination. Determ- when you think about determination. Listen, they have settled already. They have waited. They come to a conclusion. They have results. They knew that they knew that they knew that this is what God called them to do. Right? right. It not It wasn't what man said. It wasn't what this one thinks. It isn't. God has spoken to them. That isn't when God speaks to you. When you get a word, a ream of word. When God gives you a vision of revelation of what He has for you, then it doesn't matter who agrees with. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter who gives you a step on the yeah. And so. so Try, and they try to get in and this is you know one of the things that I think about so they're carrying their friend and there's a big crowd in the way and and, and they can't get in and said, when well, you listen to people they're going to make fun of you that's okay they're going to say stuff about you the church are, the church all they want is your money the church all they want is your money and they're, ah, they're, they're sucking on lemon right right <laughs> somebody said yeah that's what? the mall nike all they want is your money <laughs> still wear a now. You Still go to the mall, right? The mall, the mall, all they want is your money. You don't care about that, you, you know. And so people, oh, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible. It was written by man. I don't believe the Bible. I said, so I said, so. Have you ever read the Bible? No. So how can you not believe something you haven't read? You don't, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you, you, you don't believe something you haven't read. What part of the game is that? Right? But that. Is they
2: expression of something that's already taking place on the inside. Amen. What we're doing with baptism is, one, is we're identifying with Christ who's baptized. And so, we're identifying with Him. And number two, we're proclaiming to the world. You can't see this washing that Jesus has done on the inside. You can't see it. You can't see it in the heart. So we're going to show you on the outside what Jesus has already done on the inside. And thirdly, what we do is we identify with Christ. That just like Christ died, was put in the earth and rose again to new life, what we're saying is we one day we will die. But that's not the end of the story. We will be raised to new life in Christ's life. And that's like you and like, in baptism, And with that, I give you the first person who's going to share uh, their, their story with us. It's Eileen. Where's Eileen?
3: by a mother who had no idea what she was doing. I don't blame her for the things that happened in my life. I made my own decisions, and I know she did the best that she knew (coughs) how. But I was beaten, neglected, told on many occasions that I should have died a girl. I was told that I was a mistake, that I was no good and would never amount to anything. I was raped, molested, and shamed by my mom's boyfriends, male family members. At a very young age, I learned by example that drugs and alcohol would numb the pain. At the age of 12, I was kicked out of my house and had to learn to take care of myself. I was adopted by the neighborhood drug dealers and learned the tricks of the trade. I was adopted, I learned fast, and I adapted quickly. But I was very young and I was bullied raked and taken advantage of. I was overdosed and left for dead on many occasions. My institutional life was extensive as well, hospitals, jail, group homes, drug rehabs. I've been in all of them at some time or another. I wasn't the only one who was getting hurt. I was in turn hurting other people throughout my life, physically, mentally, and emotionally. (laughs) As a result, I was hopeless, angry, and alone. I was consumed by hate and distrust. I attempted suicide on several occasions. When I woke up in the hospital bed, I was so even angrier than before because I thought that I was so bad that even death wouldn't have me. One day when I was about 23, I came across a street preacher. He was from a Teen Challenge. He spoke to me, prayed, counseled me. He took me back to Teen Challenge where I was introduced to Jesus. I got cleaned, finished the program, and left with the Bible neatly tucked under my arm. I did, I did well for a long time, but I wasn't strong enough and eventually put my Bible down and picked up a bag of dope. This went on for several years, but God continued to put people in my path and reminded me that Jesus was real and that He loved me very much. This message always stuck in my head. However, I didn't always believe I was worthy of all that love. I never thought I was good enough. Eventually, I cleaned up again, walked in His word again, and for a while, I did well. I met my ex-husband, my now ex-husband. He swept me off my feet, but he wasn't a Christian. And eventually, again, I walked away from my father and heaven. I married this man and lived a very emotionally and mentally abused life. After 25 years of marriage, I developed the strength to leave. It was rough, but with God's grace, I got through it. Then he placed my sister, Norma, in my path. She reminded me that he was ever-present and waiting for me with open arms. With her help, guidance, and a whole lot of patience, she guided me back to Jesus. It's been a long journey. But God has been ever-present, ever-loving, and always accepting. And here I am today, thanks to His love and patience. I surrendered to Christ about two years ago, and Him to change my life and my heart, to turn my life around completely from the inside out. Since then, my life has been changed drastically. I now look at the glass as being half-full rather than half-empty. I cherish my life. And I want nothing more than to live to the fullest while glorifying my Father in heaven and everything I do. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. I have a more positive outlook on life. My black heart has been softened and is now a pretty shade of thing. I learned to love and forgive, although I don't exactly have that part down. But I know that I'm not perfect. And I'm still a work in progress, and I still have trust issues, but it's a lot less than before. I'm confident that the Lord will guide me through all. I now get convicted a lot, and ask myself, what would Jesus do, and how would he, what would He think? I pray on a daily basis. I look to my Bible for answers and praise the Lord for all He has done for me. I know now that there was a purpose for the all that I have experienced, both good and not so good, and that things work out for the good of those who love the Lord. I am not by any means perfect, and I have accepted that I will never be. But I have Jesus now, and I know that I am a work in progress, and that He will always love and accept me for who I am and for what I'm not. I'm happier than I have been in many, many years and I know that it's all due to my Father in Heaven.
1: my story of life boils down to how I paid the high price for low living. It is also a story of triumph through the power of Jesus Christ. I faced a lot of tragedy in my life. I had two brothers that that both died at a very early age. My mother died, I don't remember the age. My oldest sister was raped and killed as a consequence of this, of her addiction. As a result of that happening, I kinda went crazy and went off deep into addiction myself. I lived on the streets for seven years. I remember, I remember pastors like Pastor John. Uh, I used to stop and pray with me, but things went from bad to worse. And at the end of my road, I, I was brought to the emergency room at Whitecloth Hospital. I was in such horrible condition that they took off all my clothes and hold me down. Um, when I was in the ER, they wore hazmat suits in order to treat me. At this time, they told my sister that my body was filled with sepsis, and that they were going to cut off both my legs. But Jesus was there for me, because it didn't happen. Christ also showed up in the form of a woman who prayed with me in the ER when nobody else was there, and she they, they soaked my feet in benadine for eight hours in hot water. Mm-hmm. And uh, she took out a tweezers and she was taking the cotton that was embedded to my skin. You know, I went straight from the hospital into a drug program. I got out and lived with my sister Angela, who is still by my side today. Mm-hmm. I started making NA meetings. And I've been clean ever since. 18 years later, through God's grace, I met. 18 years and a half today, through God's grace, I met and married my wife Angela, which is one of the greatest things that ever happened. She helped me, she helped me change my life, it still does today. I met Pastor Edward and Pastor Raymond when I was in the rooms, and when Pastor Ray started howling me, Pastor I came to Christ. He was a powerful example to me. My friend Wally also tried to get me to come to Christ, but I wouldn't change my lifestyle. I believed in Jesus, but He was only the Christ of my convenience. Only when the pain outweighed the pleasure, I would seek Him out. As a result, with multiple multiple years clean, I had still an empty void and was trying to fill it with all kinds of things. Pastor Ray tried every which way to get me to come to Christ. He used to call me names like Judas, Barabbas, (laughs) and I kept giving him all the excuses in the world. When I lost my job as a doorman in 2012, I finally gave in. I didn't know which way to run. I was in deep depression. And there were the Christians there to help. So I gave myself a break and learned how to show up to church regularly. Needed to investigate, learning how to do the Jesus thing one day at a time. Through coming on a consistent basis and getting involved in classes here, who I love my teachers of this church to death. Thank you, teachers, Sister Betsy, Sister Laurie. Pastor Gus, etc. Um, they opened my heart. An explanation of the gospel really came through me. Um, Pastor Edwin's explanation of the gospel um, you are worse than you think, but more love than you could ever imagine. That made me feel like I was on an equal basis. In the person. It comes to him. Now I try to practice what it means to be a Christian in my daily affairs. My new life is priceless. I wouldn't miss a Sunday, especially if I'm serving the host ministry upright. Especially now that I'm serving in the host ministry and looking forward to joining the evangelism ministry. That is what I believe the Lord is calling me to do got involved in this church, helped spread the gospel, and get more people to believe in Jesus and serve the body. I am starting to read the Bible on a regular basis and carry a message to more non-believers, people on the job, people in the street, people in Williamsburg, where I became a beacon of hope. Everyone knew me back on the street. So many people have asked me the same question, how did I change how did you turn your life around and for a long time I didn't have the answer to that but today I do God has blessed me and there ain't nothing that God and I can't handle <laughs> uh, they're gonna go on uh,
2: and after they Go up. They're going to get baptized. We're going to celebrate that, uh, and then we're going to. I'll share with you for one minute. We'll sing, and then we'll go to the back and celebrate. With you, okay.
0: Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Based
1: on your confession, you're baptizing your Father, Son,
4: started to develop a relationship with him. A friend of mine used to take me to his church, but I was going there for the wrong reasons, just to be around him. Still, I knew I had to change my life, and I tried to live according to God's will I am grateful to Mike and Daryl, members of Recovery House of Worship, who invited me to this wonderful church. I kept coming to the church, and it was accepted just the way I am. Recovery House of Worship helped me to learn Christ better and incorporate Him in my life in all areas. The reading of His Word lets me know that God must come first in my life. The sermons that Pastor Edwin, Pastor Gus, and Pastor Raven, Pastor Raven gives are so simple to follow. Pastor Gus says it's like having a conversation in the living room about God and his My relationship with God has grown stronger every day, and when I'm not at church, I've come to rely on Him even in difficult transitions. Currently, I'm in a halfway house, and my next step is to secure housing. Because of my faith in God, I know that I'm not worried about it that much. I'm doing the footwork and leaving the results unto Him. I've reconnected with my family. My baby sisters are here, my mom is here, my niece and my nephew, and two friends from the halfway house. Thank you so much for coming. Amen. I love God so much, and in turn, he loves me. I'm so grateful for this process and looking forward to this journey in Christ. God sent his son Jesus to die for me and with the shed up his blood. I am protected and renewed. God is powerful and raised Jesus from the dead. In turn, my spirit is raised as well. That power lives within me. I have more love, acceptance, tolerance, and I have favor from God. I'm so terribly grateful. I'm still learning God's word. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, "Come to all, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest."
1: Well, here I am, God.
4: Come would you please with me? I am so willing to walk, profess my love to you, and testify how oh, Jesus saved my life. Praise be, God.
5: to fill. One one day, um, and this is not a coincidence, this was God, I met up with my daughter's godmother, which her son was going to this group called Church of the Heights, which my pastor is here, and his wife, and John, she's like, um, the pastors, another one of our pastor's sons, and my daughter, and the mean, and and I know a lot of them are, are here in spirit and, and with me. And my life changed. I started learning about the Bible and going to training in Redeemer city to city. Um, I'm so thankful for the Church of the Heights, for my daughter who's, who's so supportive of everything that I do and any decision that I make. Um, and for everyone who has been part of this journey. I accepted God as my Lord and Savior over the phone with the name. Now, I don't feel alone. I read the Bible when I wake up. I started um, a, a Monday coding conference call to pray with people. I pray for guidance in any decision or situation that my daughter and I my big facing. I have this peace that has taken over my life and even my boundaries, personal relationships, and a lot of gods disappear and one remain, Jesus Christ. I learned what real love, unconditional love is. Thank you for sharing in my baptism today.